Welcome to the new episode of American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, legends, and lore of America's past. The show is hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. And we are now nearing the end of our fourth season Haunted New Orleans. If you're tuning into the podcast for the first time, we suggest you start listening to the Haunted New Orleans season with episode 53, which is where this season begins and where we set the stage for the many dark tales ahead. In each episode of the season, we reveal the history, mystery, spirits, scandals, and sins of New Orleans, a city we believe is the most haunted in America. This is the third part of our series within a series, Dead Men Do Tell Tales, and while we've left the vampires behind this time, I think you'll find that we have even worse things hiding under your bed this time around. So get ready for a painful episode of Haunted New Orleans. Vampires, ghosts, monsters, and an assortment of murderers. All of them have roamed the streets of New Orleans at one time or another and have become part of the city's spookiest lore. Well, some of these boogeymen that we'll be talking about tonight, from the needle men to the gown man to hugging Molly, have sometimes even caused more fear than killers have. And that's largely because they conjured up some very bad memories of the past, especially when it came to the night doctors. The Night Doctors came to life in African-American folklore starting during the Reconstruction period after the Civil War. The stories were initially spread by former slave owners who wanted to make black people afraid to leave the plantations after they were set free. Well, legend had it that the doctors, dressed all in white, would ride the highways and back roads at night, abducting African-Americans so they could perform experiments on them. They were taken from their homes and locked up in medical facilities to be dissected, tortured, and killed so that their organs could be harvested. Well, the legends worked. It caused many people to stay behind locked doors at night and to stay off the roads, but tragically, stories of white doctors victimizing black people have roots in some pretty horrific history. During the early 19th century, medical students often had to resort to grave robbing to procure cadavers on which to practice their surgical skills, while African Americans were especially powerless to protect their dead. To make matters worse, doctors and medical students also performed surgeries on living candidates, all of them black. Southern teaching hospitals would only perform live surgeries for medical students on African Americans, and later, it got even worse. In 1932, Alabama's Public Health Service and Tuskegee University launched the Tuskegee Syphilis Study. They took 600 African-American men, 399 of them who already had syphilis, and 201 that did not, and promised them food, free medical care, and burial insurance if they considered to be treated with radical new techniques. Now, I have some advice for you if you're listening. Never participate in a medical study that promises to bury you for free bad sign. During the study, investigators wanted to observe the progression of the disease, but only told the participants they were being treated for, quote, bad blood. They never told them they had syphilis or that a new treatment by penicillin was available. They didn't give them anything. The Tuskegee scientists wanted to see what would happen to the men with no medicine or knowledge about their illness. The study, now known as the most infamous medical study in American history, continued until 1972 when the plug was finally pulled after a leak to the press. 
Numerous participants died of syphilis. 40 of their wives contracted the disease and 19 children were born with congenital defects because of it. It seems that African-Americans had a very good reason to fear the night doctors after all. Well, New Orleans had its own version of the night doctors, except they were called needlemen in the city. The basics of the story were the same. The needlemen were medical students out looking for bodies to work on. They would stick people with needles filled with a mysterious deadly poison so they could take the bodies back to Charity Hospital for student doctors to dissect. Well, fear of the needlemen spread through the city. It was believed that even a mere brush with someone on the street could cause the victim to have seizures, slip into a coma, or even die. Well, it's possible that the needlemen were not just the product of hysteria, as many people claimed. In 1924, there was a needleman scare in Carrollton. It was reported that men were sneaking about on dark streets, hiding behind trees and in vacant lots, waiting to jump out, stick women with needles, and then flee the scene. Skeptics believe that the needlemen were simply the products of too much prohibition booze, but women in the area swore the attacks were real. Well, in the 1930s, the needlemen returned again, this time stabbing young women while they were seated in movie theaters. The stories claim that many of the young girls were knocked unconscious by whatever poison the fiends had filled their needles with. The young women were then carried off to, quote, a fate worse than death. For months in downtown theaters, women were screaming and fainting as they cried that they'd been stuck with a needle. The stories of the needlemen eventually faded away, but during the time when New Orleans was gripped by panic, the accounts were very real to those who were afraid to walk the streets or to sit in a movie theater after dark. In addition to the needlemen, there was also the gown man, a figure that struck terror into the hearts of African Americans in New Orleans for many years. The gown man was described as being very tall and thin, wearing a black cap and a black gown that dragged along the ground. Even though this boogeyman would often appear driving a long black automobile, many of those who encountered him believed he was a ghost. Around the neighborhoods where he was usually seen, the gown man was known to drop from trees and cause his victims to run screaming for their lives. In the late 1890s, a similar character prowled New Orleans. This creature was known as the Hugging Molly. Wearing a white robe, it would hide in the bushes along darkened streets, and when a young woman came along, it would jump out and scoop her up into a tight embrace. After hugging her for only a few moments, it would vanish back into the shadows and leave the girl terrified, yet unharmed. Even though the Hugging Molly's intentions seemed harmless, the town was soon completely unnerved about a chance encounter with this monster. To African Americans, the white robe that it wore dredged up not too distant memories of the robes worn by the Ku Klux Klan. The Klan had started out as former slave owners who dressed as ghosts and preyed on free African Americans during Reconstruction. Well, eventually the hugs stopped, and a year later the mystery of the creature was finally solved by the death of a disabled man who had been beloved by the neighborhood. In his room, his caretakers discovered the white costume that had been worn by the hugging Molly. The man had only wanted a hug and had been too shy to ask for one. Now, not all of the stories had such happy endings. Around 1930, the Domino Man began haunting the streets of the Gentilly neighborhood. In those days, the middle-class neighborhood located around Lake Pontchartrain and Bayou St. John was sparsely populated with many empty lots, patches of woods, and heavy brush. Children who used the secluded paths through the woods to get to school began being frightened by a man in a white robe and hood who would jump down from tree branches and chase after them with his hands waving wildly over his head. They called him the Domino Man because his costume appeared to be made from sugar bags, like those used at the Domino Sugar Refinery, which was on the other side of the Lower Ninth Ward along the river. 
Angry parents searched the woods for the man. Several people shot at him and a few claimed to hit him, but the domino man always disappeared. He'd return the next day though, apparently unharmed, back to scaring kids again, which was apparently the only mission he had. He never physically attacked them or even followed them very far. He would simply jump out of them and when they screamed and ran away, he vanished. Well, like the rest of New Orleans' phantom attackers, the mystery of the Domino Man was never solved. Suggestions about his identity ranged from a ghost to a monkey in a costume to a man who just dressed up as a practical joke, which was a pretty dangerous joke based on how many people tried to shoot him. Well, one day he just vanished and was never seen again. Now, these weren't the only mysterious figures that wreaked havoc in New Orleans in the early 20th century, but we're saving the greatest boogeyman in the city's history for the last episode of this season. In our last episode, we talked about the real-life vampires of New Orleans. They don't actually drink blood. Okay, well, actually, some of them do. But there's no question that the lifeblood of the city is tourism. See what I did there? As you can imagine, even though New Orleans embraces its dark side, there are some elements to it that can certainly cause the, quote, family-friendly crowd to choose another place to visit on their summer vacation. A perfect example of what I mean by that took place at the Chateau Le Moyne Hotel in the French Quarter in 1998. On March 24th of that year, a housekeeper walked in to clean a guest room and discovered a man's body on the floor, lying face down between two beds. He was naked, except for his socks, and the floor, walls, and bedspreads were spattered with blood. Mingled with the body and the blood were sex toys and bondage devices. Condoms were scattered all over the room. When the police arrived, they were quickly able to determine the cause of death. A man had been stabbed, a lot. Dr. Frank Minyard, the city's longtime coroner, reported, quote, it was a horrible, horrible scene. There were so many stab wounds, I couldn't count them all. There was blood on the walls, on the bedroom floor, on the bathroom floor, all over the place. And then he added, quote, it was horrible, again, just to make sure he got the point across. And then the story got even worse after the victim was identified. His name was Ramon Martinez, and he was a Catholic priest. He hadn't always been one, though. When he was seven, he and his family had fled Castro's Cuba and settled in New Orleans. When he was an adult, he had moved to Los Angeles to become an actor. He landed a few small parts and then some roles in television shows like Archie Bunker's Place, Three's Company, Different Strokes, and General Hospital. He became disenchanted with Hollywood, though, after meeting the Catholic Archbishop of Los Angeles, who was also a former actor. Following the Archbishop's advice, he returned to New Orleans enrolled in the seminary, and in 1989, graduated with a master's degree in divinity and was ordained a priest in the New Orleans Archdiocese. On his last night on earth, Ramon had registered at the hotel under his own name and listed his address as a P.O. box in Port Sulphur, a small town about 50 miles away where he served as the pastor of St. Patrick's Church. At some point that evening, he went out and picked up a French Quarter street hustler named Robert Chidester which turned out to be a horrible mistake. Robert, in his confession, claimed that he had agreed to oral sex, but when Ramon tried to sodomize him, the young man freaked out. He pulled out a double-edged knife, which he just happened to have on hand, and to defend himself against the priest's attack, he claimed, he stabbed him more than 40 times. Seems hard to believe this could have been in self-defense. 
Well, Father Ramon's reputation didn't fare well in the wake of his murder. Investigators discovered that he had more than 300 pornographic films and a few hundred skin magazines and books at the rectory. The police did what they could to minimize the damage, though, and news reports failed to mention that he'd been found nude by the housekeeper. They also left out the sex toys, the used condoms, and the 300 movies. Meanwhile, right after the murder, Robert Chidester fled to Cincinnati, where he tried to keep a low profile and failed miserably at it. He crossed the Ohio River into Kentucky and stabbed someone else. But the victim refused to prosecute him, likely a married businessman who had also picked up the hustler, and Robert was released. Then, just to show how smart he really was, he returned to New Orleans, where he hooked up with a tarot card reader. Thinking he could impress her, he told his new girlfriend that he'd recently killed a Catholic priest. Oh, man. And as a token of his love, gave her the knife that he'd used to kill the priest with. Well, the girlfriend was not impressed. First chance she got, she turned him in. On September 24, 1998, detectives crashed into Robert's Flophouse apartment and arrested him. In his confession, he claimed to be the angel of death sent to punish a wicked priest. Even after the arrest, the police were reluctant to mention anything about sex. The commander of the homicide division would only say that Father Ramon and Robert Chidester had argued. Quote, we do have some idea what they were arguing about, he added, but it would be inappropriate for me to disclose that at this time. Well, Robert's confession kept the case out of the courts and the judge sentenced him to 25 years in prison. So yeah, most likely, if he's still alive, he's probably out on the streets again now. So give that some thought the next time you're walking down a dark street in the French Quarter some evening. In 1884, a World's Fair of sorts came to New Orleans. It was called the World's Cotton Exposition, and it brought hundreds of thousands of people for a fair in Audubon Park. Among those who arrived in the city for the event was a Frenchman named Dr. Etienne Duchamp, a dentist who, after arriving in America, embraced a new form of medical treatment called magnetism. Magnetism had all the credibility of other medical sciences, like phrenology, in other words, none at all. But the average person was quick to believe in get-well schemes in those days. Oh, well, I guess not that much has changed when you consider crystals, oils, and magnetic bracelets. But anyway, Duchamp became very successful. He had a home and office at 714 St. Peter Street, and he distributed cards throughout the French Quarter that read, Let us look for the truth. Let us do good. Let us be magnetized. With his advertising charm, good looks, and boasts about how magnetism could treat any ailment from alcoholism to erectile dysfunction, he built up quite a client base. And to the patients that visited him the most, he revealed even more of the secrets of magnetism. It could give you psychic powers. Deschamps was convinced he could use those powers to find the lost treasure of the pirate Jean Lafitte, which was hidden somewhere in the swamps off the coast where Lafitte and his men once plied their trade. Today, you can go to the same spot and take airboat rides and feed marshmallows to alligators. But the doctor needed help finding the treasure. He needed a medium to act as his go-between with the spirits. The medium needed to be a 12-year-old virgin. Now, he didn't explain what he needed a 12-year-old virgin for, but it was so happened that one of his best customers, Jules Deitch, had a 12-year-old daughter, presumed to be a virgin, and she just happened to be very beautiful. Well, Duchamp suggested that the daughter, Juliette, would be perfect for his plan. 
Both the girl and her father would become rich beyond their wildest dreams with their share of the treasure. Well, Jules agreed to let his daughter participate in the scheme. I mean, Deschamps was a respected doctor after all. What could go wrong? In order for Juliet to make contact with the spirit world, the doctor dosed her with large amounts of chloroform for their private mediumistic sessions. Well, this all seemed above board to Jules because, well, obviously he was an idiot. Well, after several psychic sessions, the inevitable happened on January 30th, 1889. As in every other session, the doctor asked Juliet to strip naked and climb into bed. Deschamps also took off his clothes and got into bed with her. Then, as he did each time before, he put a handkerchief over the girl's mouth and nose and dosed her with chloroform. But this time, he didn't have enough in the bottle to put her out. So the doctor dressed and went to the pharmacist to buy more of the drug. Well, Juliet's younger sister, who had witnessed all of this, and I'm probably scarred for life, used his trip to the druggist as a chance to run home. When she arrived back at the doctor's home with her father, they found Juliet and Deschamps in bed, both naked. But this psychic session ended in disaster. Juliet was dead. And the doctor, well, he was nearly dead too. When he realized he'd overdosed the girl, he'd stabbed himself in the chest four times. But his wounds turned out to be superficial. He was taken to Charity Hospital and from there straight on to the parish prison. The coroner had determined that Juliet had died from an overdose and found evidence the girl had been sexually abused over a long period of time, apparently while allegedly communing with the spirit world. While in jail, the doctor was still making grandiose claims about finding Lafitte's treasure if he was released. He also told the authorities they had no right to keep him locked up because he was a scientist and a great man. Well, his wild claims continued at his trial. He protested that by putting him on trial in an English-speaking court was a farce because he only spoke French, which wasn't true. He also claimed that he was incapable of murder because he was a gentleman, also not true and that the trial was really only an attempt to, quote, smear the good name of France. Well, he was found guilty after the jury deliberated for an entire 18 minutes. He appealed the verdict, got a new trial, and this time was found guilty in 13 minutes. While awaiting his execution, the doctor became even more bizarre. Guards witnessed him having long conversations with the ghosts of Juliet and Jean Lafitte. The authorities were divided as to whether he was insane or just acting insane to avoid execution. When his date with the hangman was finally set, Deschamps protested he didn't want to be hanged next to common prisoners. He was a refined gentleman and doctor, and this was a terrible indignity. Well, the French ambassador even filed a complaint on his behalf with Governor Nichols. But the governor was as thoroughly sick of the doctor as everyone else, and he set a final execution date for May 12th of 1892. Before that could happen, however, a very strange incident occurred. It remains the one unsolved mystery that has lingered with the case. On the morning of April 19th, Judge Robert Marr, who had presided over both of the doctor's trials, had gone to vote in the spring election. He was seen by several people walking along the Mississippi River about an hour later, and then he was never seen again. Judge Marr vanished without a trace that day. No evidence of foul play was ever found, and there was no evidence of suicide. He was simply gone. His body was never found. Well, his connection with the doctor's trial could not be overlooked in the investigation of his disappearance. The judge had been the one who demanded that Deschamps should go to the gallows, and he was adamant about the fact that the doctor was not insane. Deschamps was elated when he heard the news of the judge's disappearance, convinced then he would never hang, but he turned out to be wrong. He went to the gallows on May 12th at 1 in the afternoon, and 20 minutes later, his body was cut down and taken away to a murderer's grave. Even after he disappeared, Judge Marr made sure that Etienne Deschamps 
was punished for his crime. There's one thing that the American Hauntings podcast knows about, and that's mothers. We featured a lot of great mothers in a lot of our episodes. Pearl Curran, Julia Lemp, Sarah Moore, Marie Laveau, Jane Mansfield, Tamsin Donner, Delphine LaLaurie, Belle Gunness. Okay, maybe leave out those last two. But what I'm saying is that with Mother's Day coming soon, you need a truly special gift for your mom because, well, she's not Belle Gunness. So let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that literally turns your mom's life story into a book. So here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send your mom a question in her email, the same way she sends you questions about your dating life or when you plan to give her grandkids. Anyway, these can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. She replies by either typing in the answers or by recording her own voice. Then mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a keepsake book. And they can create an audiobook that uses her voice recordings, preserving her voice and her stories forever. As anyone who doesn't have their mom around anymore can tell you, having your mother's stories about growing up, being a kid, and overcoming life's challenges will be something that you and your kids will treasure. And let's be honest, your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a very cool way to share them. Honestly, I decided to try this out for myself and I sent it to my mom. And she's not exactly a whiz at computers, but she still found it really easy to use. My mom might have had a little more unusual childhood than a lot of mothers do. So I'm really glad to have this. And I think you'll be glad to give one to your mother too. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use the code HAUNTINGS at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use the code HAUNTINGS for 10% off today. take a drink i can hear it i can hear like you know dogs barking down the street and i know you don't hear that stuff it's just yeah, coming yeah. through the headphones but god it's weird so can you that's sit, better to change and stuff yeah that's better what 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 okay, let, me, let me see all right you ready sure okay ready when you are thanks for tuning into the american hauntings podcast the show where we discuss history hauntings legends lore and the dark side of american history we are now Finally, nearing the end of season four of the podcast, Haunted New Orleans. I'm your co-host, Cody Beck, and with me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, and the founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor. Somebody just asked me, how many more episodes do you have in the New Orleans season? And I said, two. Are Maybe. You, are, yeah, I was going to say, are you <laughs> sticking with that? And then she said, well, I don't care. Two, 12, doesn't matter to me. I just was curious. 
And um, that's fair. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say probably two. Uh, you feel so. pretty confident about that. I do. I do. With the, with the stuff I laid out at the beginning of the season, um, I kept adding to it and making it, it, they always grow. Yeah. I always have a, a plan, but then they continue to grow as time mm-hmm. goes on. And um, I felt pretty good about this one yeah. um, as I added to it. But I think, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be two more. And okay. It's going to be a new season. And uh, I'm pretty sure what I want the new season to be as long as you're cool with it. Yeah. So, I do, but I, we'll I, talk we, about it off the air. I'm really but, excited to hear. I know we've tossed around some ideas in the past, yeah. but I, I'm excited. But this isn't, this isn't one we tossed around. Oh, okay. Uh, this All is right. something different. Uh, All right. But I think that um, I think this will work. The last time so. you had a random idea, it turned <laughs> into episode after episode of court cases about yes, axe murder. I know it stuff. did. Uh, but so this is another random episode that could be like a like fifty episode season. Sure. I don't know. All right, but we'll see. So awesome. Okay. Um, do do we want to talk about upcoming events? Do we want to talk about current events? What do we want to talk about? It's a strange day for us right now and a strange it is. place. It is. Um, we we should have been at the conference this weekend. We should not be recording a podcast. I so, should have a spoiler drink in alert. My hand. I know. Spoiler alert. You're you're going to be listening to this on July 7th, but we're actually recording it on June 27th, which was the Saturday of the conference. Uh, so that's what we should have been doing. But of course, we're not. Although there is a uh, there is a all day online event going on. In fact, when we finish this recording, we're going to do uh, something live uh, for that. So you will have seen us on the same day we recorded this. But and where we're supposed to be? Yeah, right now it's kind of a downer. The yeah. whole thing's kind of a downer. Uh, but um, anyway, but we do have stuff coming up. Um, in fact, after you listen to this, um, the next the following Saturday. We're going to be doing our next live stream event for those who live too far away to attend in person. Um, we're, we're now deciding that we're not going to talk about how we can't do things because of the pandemic. Uh, so we actually are, are open in Illinois now. Uh, we're, nice. we're pretty open. And so we're going to be able to do some of our events. But we are going to keep doing these live stream events. Uh, people have, we've, we've done a few now and people really like them. And we've had a good crowd. It's a nice, in fact, it, I, in some ways, it's almost more interactive than the dinner things we do uh, because people can really one-on-one ask questions at the end and that kind of thing. They've been yeah. a lot of fun. But uh, our next one is going to be on July 11th, and it is a live stream with the St. Louis Exorcism. Fun. Uh, which is going to be the uncensored version of the story, the one that we do at the dinners, uh, not the one that's in the book or mm-hmm. anywhere else that I do this story. Um, this is uh, the uncensored version with... Lots of information you won't get elsewhere. There'll be fire alarms. Yeah. Well, we hope not. That was uh, that was something that happened to us last year. But yeah, let's hope not. Uh, but we will um, we'll have that. And then on July thirty first, we're going to have another one. And as of this recording, I have not announced what that'll be yet. So, uh, but it is going to be an evening with uh, Lizzie Borden. No, and that's not, one. That's yeah. one that is a really popular one in person. So we're going to do it on live. Had a lot of requests for it. So we're going to do that one next. Uh, but anyway, you could check out the details on those for, at AmericanHauntings.net on our website. Um, and then, like I said, with Illinois back up and running again, we've just now, we've just posted all of our tours and events for the fall in Alton. 
Um, that's walking tours, bus tours, the Ghost of the River Road tours that Lisa and I do, and all of the evening with dinner events. Um, we've got some favorites and some new ones that we've added to that for the fall. Uh, we've got the ghost hunts at the Mineral Springs, that kind of thing. All of that stuff is up now. And uh, we are starting to book stuff, especially the river road tours are starting to actually fill up, believe it or not. Nice. People are looking forward to the fall when, you know, times will be a little bit different. Right, so right. Um, you can check all that out at altonhauntings.com. And of course, we've got our ghost hunts and overnights around the Midwest that we've got for the rest of the summer and the fall. We posted those too. And that's at ghosthunts.net. So yeah, lots of things coming up. Finally, that you know we can breathe again. Did I? Did I? Uh, have you seen that? I don't know if you saw the comments or anything. That we've decided that we're going to call everything before March of 2020. We're going to call that the before times. The before yeah, times. Yeah, Becky Ray, our friend Becky Ray, thought that. Yeah, up. I love Becky so Ray. So she coined that phrase. So we're now calling it the before times. Okay. And this is going to be the after times. The after so times. We are preparing for the after times for this fall. So um, it's going to be good. Wait, when's the cutoff again? Um, it was uh, the before times was middle of March. Oh, okay. Because that's when everything like started 13th, to really 14th close. Or something. Right. Yeah. The last events we actually did were was was March Friday of the thirteenth and the fourteenth. We had a uh, Brianna and I did a uh, dinner with the what was it? oh Spirit World mm-hmm. on the thirteenth, and then Lisa and I did a River Road tour on the fourteenth, and then that was it. Some last things that we've done other than tons of online stuff, which has been really great. I mean, that's like I said, I think we talked about this before. That's been the silver lining to all this stuff is Mm -hmm. all this online stuff that we've I feel like we've really kind of grown the community of people. Yeah. You know, in a way that we would not have done in the before times, uh, we might not have God grown things the way that we did. And you reached so, a wider audience. Yeah, and... so now we have, I mean, we're we're interacting with people that, you know, were names that we saw on, you know, that might comment on something on the Facebook page mm-hmm. or something. And now, you know, we're talking to those people all the time. You know, they're interacting with all the events we do, all those Friday night quarantine live streams that we did. Um, it's been it's been pretty cool, actually. Mm-hmm. So, um I don't know. There's, you know, the, the whole thing sucks. I mean, the, 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 the virus and the people that have gotten sick and the, especially the people that have passed away because of it. But on the other hand, I think that it has done a lot for us as a whole country yeah. as far as interacting with each other in a different way. Um, I feel that I've gotten a lot you know, more interactive with people than I would not have gotten interactive with. And I think it shined a light on some of the things that are wrong with our country in a very strong way um, that we need to correct and do things differently. Um, Say come November, for instance, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So I think that that is going to make a big difference and it's going to be, this is going to be a life changing event for a lot of people. You know, it's not the, I mean, it's never going to be the the flu epidemic. It's not going to be the Spanish flu. That's millions of people dead, right? You know, but it's still it's still going to be a, a a big event. We're going to mark in the history books. Yeah, the before times and, and the, the after, after times. Time. I'm just thinking about all the meetings that 
now I know for a fact could have been emails. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, all the time we've wasted doing yes. dumb stuff that we didn't have to do. That kind That's of shit. been a bonus right there. Yeah. You know, I, I would think with your work, especially where you guys do so much stuff online, mm-hmm. you know, as a company, you know, you guys must have wasted a tremendous amount of time. Oh, I mean, you know? I think, but on I the think... other hand, what the hell are you guys doing? You don't have any movies to talk about or anything the... with cinema. It's cinema blend. Yeah. What do you do? There's, well, I mean, because believe me, I go to Amazon every week and I'm like, seriously, nothing came yep. out this week. There's nothing except for these really bad movies. So, Troy, we've been God. leaning real heavily on the blend part of that. <laughs> and um, we've been figuring it out. And, you know, we've realized a lot of people, um, it's like, you know, 20th anniversary of The Matrix or something. So it's like, let's get sure. the, you know, the DP for yeah. The Matrix or whatever. But see, like that's pretty cool. Yeah, because I've been they're seeing, sitting home with nothing to do. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of reunion things that have been a lot of fun to watch yeah. because... Nobody has anything else to do, yep. so why not? You know, let's have the the reunion of some of them have been pointless, sure. but I mean, no one cares, you know. But um, but you watch it because it's kind of like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. I watched that show, yeah, you know, and, exactly. And it's, it's been kind of neat. We've been getting creative, so yeah, that's good. That's well, and see again, another silver lining. We all exactly. have to start looking at something different that we can do. So yep. I'd say that worked out pretty well. So yeah, it's um. I don't know. It's been a weird time, but you know, I don't think it's been all bad. No, it definitely I mean, hasn't been all believe bad. Believe me, there have been weeks where I'm going, hmm, I wonder if I'll buy groceries this week. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, overall, it has forced us. I mean, I wrote two entire books. I know. What <laughs> is that? This thing. I wrote two entire books during the quarantine because I just had nothing else to do. Yeah. Well, when you're not booking any tours or events or anything, I mean, you got a lot of time on your hands and... Um, I, I was just about to say there's only so much TV and movies that you can watch, but really not for me. <laughs> no, not so uh, much. I don't have an issue with that. I can always find something else to watch. I found so many great, like, foreign, you know, um, Scandinavian and British yeah, you've been on shows. That. Man, yeah. I love this stuff. So And, so and I random. liked it already, but now I'm just, like, super into it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'm going to take up, you know, like uh, Icelandic language or something, you know, because oh, I, I might as well, that. what the hell? Yeah, I so, can see that. But I really want to go to Iceland now after watching like, oh, several different cop shows. Is that, so. that going to be the fifth season is like ghost stories no, no, of Iceland? No, no, no. Not if I go there, yes, then it is <laughs> going to be for sure. So, uh, Well, there's a couple of things I wanted to run through. And honestly, this might just yeah, end I up... Yeah, I need to stop talking about the before times <laughs> the before the times. times. I still, yeah, yeah trademark Becky Ray. Um, yes. This, yeah. this might just need to be... We have to, to be... pay her a nickel every time we see I know, this, we're, so. <laughs> we're already in debt. Um, this might just be a segment I need to introduce that just might be called Before I Forget. Because um, there's some things I'm going to talk about. I want to say thank you to Mark Voorhees, who sent us these yes, candles. Yes, um, With these crazy, what do you call them, inscriptions, yeah. uh, carvings yeah, on them. And he sent us this really long note about them. Um, and I meant to say thank you last time, but last time was just kind of a shit show, and I, I ended up forgetting. Uh, yeah, we did forget about we, that. Yeah, we forgot about that. Just want to say thank you, Mark, for that and for everything. Um, Troy, you were also just on the Ghostly Talk podcast, yes. which is our really good yes. friends whom I would be drinking with right now uh-huh, in this very building. Um, yeah. So shout out shout out to Scott and Amber. Um, I was listening to that on the way here, and you should go check out their podcast. It's a really good time. Yeah, so wait, yeah, I should oh, probably give you a give you a oh uh, a, a, disclaimer? Warning, a disclaimer on that. Yes. Um, if you are worried about, you know, if you're one of those people who complained if Cody and I get even slightly like not maybe political or at least um, uh, maybe a little, I get a little 
opinionated, opinionated about like people politics do. or religion do or people anything do like that? that do they get mad at us yeah we that? try not to do that too much on here but if you're one of those people who get offended then don't go listen to ghostly talk but if you don't mind that if you want to hear what i really think about some things um go listen to the new episode of ghostly talk yeah or it, it may not be new by the time everybody i think it's the latest it, well yeah, it'll be true. the latest one it, it has my name on it yeah so you'll find yeah, it it's a little different podcast than what cody and i are doing today yep so. and and i like that um the last thing i want to ask you about could you have any experience with the is it the whaley house yeah what, in san yeah, diego san diego yeah have you been there yeah, yeah. Was, it, was it cool yeah oh yeah it's I just cool. heard some fun it's, stories. Yeah, it is. It is a cool place. Um, I, I love San Diego anyway, mm-hmm. but Old Town uh, is awesome. And that's where that's where the Whaley House is. Um, and it's uh, in it, kind of the original part of what was San Diego back when it was settled. And uh, yeah, it's a cool location. It's got a cool history behind it. Um, it's a it's a they have man, great Mexican restaurants in that part of town, mm-hmm. a lot of restaurants and stuff and a lot of really cool historic buildings. And it's not too, too far away from like the hotel Del Coronado, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is, you know, really great place. Very haunted, lots of ghost stories, but yeah. Yeah. I know the Whaley house pretty well. And, okay. Uh, I love San Diego. So awesome. I just, somebody was talking about it and yeah. I got curious, started reading some stories about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was just, just kind of wondering. Yeah. Anyway, that's the so that, that is the before I forget segment. Who knows <laughs> yeah, if it'll right. come back, but it <laughs> might. But let's dive into some listener reviews here. So this first one is from Pooh Bear's iPod. Okay, um, it's called Love Listening to This Podcast. It says, my fiance and I have attended the Dead of Winter Festival every year since we started dating in early 2018. And the last year we began listening to the podcast and we both just love listening to it. I think we made people. Remember, oh, that yeah. was the year I made yeah, people we forced you get to. their phones out. But and- I'm so happy we did that, and thank you. Um, so we love history and haunted places, so it is truly the best of both worlds for us. The Limp Family episodes have been our favorite season so far, since the Limp Mansion is one of my favorite places in all of St. Louis. Keep up the great work, and I love the banter between Cody and Troy. It makes me laugh. Oh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> definitely a five-star rating for me. Hope to see you at the next Dead of Winter Festival. Uh, Savannah, Georgia, and... Tybee Island, Tibby yeah, Island, yeah. are a couple of our favorite places to visit and would love to hear a season on the history and haunting of Savannah someday. So thank you very much for that, uh, for you know checking out the show and coming to Dead or Winter Festival and everything. Uh, this uh, next review is from Young at Heart 75. It's just titled Awesome Podcast. I recently found your podcast. I work in a crime lab in Texas and with everything that is happening, I'm a one-woman show running an evidence office. Well, I was given permission recently to listen to your podcast, and yours came up with a suggestion because of my interest, um, of course, you know, is in anything to do with crime and the unknown. Well, I listened to season four and was completely hooked. I love the history and ghost stories that go along with with it. Uh, just to let you know, I do listen to the end. Again, awesome podcast. <laughs> uh, love it. Keep the stories coming. Uh, well, I'm glad that they're letting you listen to podcasts while you're working Speaking and stuff. Speaking of listening to the end, yeah, I uh, want to thank everybody who wrote in about the land shark. <laughs> Oh, yes. I have a <laughs> note in here, episode. too. Yeah, I watched okay. the video today. That's a good skit. It's hilarious. Yeah, I liked yeah. it a lot. And it was, we were right. It was the land shark. It's like, plumber. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was good. Telegram. So. <laughs> <laughs> Telegram. Okay. Um, so this last review is from Hagadi Donkey O. 
Uh, seriously, one of the best podcasts. I love this podcast. I love the history lessons and the stories that go along with it. Uh, from the first episode, I was hooked. Keep them coming. From the first episode, oh, you were ouch. hooked? I mean, ouch. I'll take it. But Yeah, that's a, the Alton, Alton season's a low bar. Yeah, it's, there. that's so a little if rough. You, if you like that one, then it, it's it's just all uphill. For, yeah, you, or all, all, all up from there. Yeah, there, uphill, yeah I guess there you go. It's all... You won't good believe what happens so. next. Yeah. Um, so, the okay, are you ready to dive in? Yeah, sure. sure. My first note, after, okay, I started taking notes, and then after a while, I was like, wait, are we talking about, like, cryptids today? Or, because like, I kind of think that, I'll explain. There's some weird stuff going on. There's some on weird stuff episode. going here. So I just couldn't let it go. I had you to put this stuff in. I you just couldn't had to. let it go. No. Um, it was a lot of like this is kind of harking back to the last episode of comment I made, but it was a lot of like Spring Hill Jack type characters. Yeah, sure, um, sure. And I told I told my cat today when we were having our normal morning conversation, <laughs> our normal meeting. Yeah, we're talking about. <laughs> I said I think today we're talking about. Mythical figures sort of loosely based on real life events, but a lot of times seem to be made up to make people behave. And I was like, I went to Catholic school for nine years, so I've been preparing for this for a long time. I was really hoping to see Lisa's face when I said that. But (laughs) anyway, let's let's dive into some of these bizarre stories that you got Uh going on here. Let's start with the night doctors. She said, legend has it that doctors dressed all in white would abduct African-Americans at night to perform experiments on them. And so the stories were initially spread to make free slaves afraid to leave the plantations. Right. Which totally makes sense. You said some of these stories have true and horrific roots. Yeah. So I knew about grave robbing for medical school and things like that, but I didn't know about live surgeries and stuff for medical students. Yeah, they uh, well, because when you're talking about someone who's considered legally three-fifths of a person anyway yeah so they're they they don't you know it was a a situation of people in the south not being considered to be fully human Mm -hmm. um it was okay to operate on them and yeah that was um honestly that's that's about as as the worst thing i've ever heard yeah as far as racism goes that i didn't know about already Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's true and it turned out and i thought when i read that i thought oh come on yeah nope it's true they would actually perform say a burst appendix Mm -hmm. and they would perform it live in front of uh students so that they could see what it was like and they didn't do that with white patients Uh yeah only black patients and i mean well luckily that kind of stuff has stopped because oh wait then there's the tuskegee syphilis study which i already knew about this just because me too i didn't think i knew it ran until 1972 that's i did not know that and that was my my psychological test and measures class where they talked about ethics and things Mm -hmm. like that this is always the one they brought up and i was like okay that's a long time ago no like you said 1972 yeah and and I mean, they only stopped because they got caught. Because they got caught. Right. Yeah. It just... Oh, we're really sorry. It's like everybody that you see that apologizes for, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Did you see my video from 2001 when I was in blackface? I'm really sorry I did that. Yeah, because someone found it. Right, right. Otherwise, you, but you did it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. It is. Uh, moving on to more terrible things. So, the Needleman. Uh, this to me sounds like Slenderman's weird cousin. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And so the basics of the story are the same. Uh, medical students looking for bodies to work on would stick people with needles full of poison, take them to dissect. Yeah, and probably it wasn't true. Yeah. Uh, my guess would be that this is a story that migrated from the rural areas to the city, mm-hmm. uh, and it changed from the night doctors to the needlemen. Okay. Uh, but it was enough to create. A fright, mm-hmm. a, a scare for people. I mean, this is something that you could legitimately be afraid of. Yeah, you know uh, that this might happen to you, and whether or not it's true, I, I don't know. But people swore that it was. You mm-hmm. know how that goes. You were right. Uh, but it's still a, 
It's still a creepy story. Well, yeah, when you talk about the 1920s and 30s, real scares about needlemen, especially young women in movie theaters are traveling alone. And I was wondering a couple of different things about this. One, was it just a scare tactic thing? Two, was it people heard these stories and started pricking women well, in, in theaters and as that's pranks. possible too and you know this is a story it's interesting because this particular story and i did not include it in here because it mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't set in new orleans but when you think of these needleman stories and you may have read this i mean i was really too young to really know too much about it when it was happening this same story was going around like in the 1980s that there were people who had needles that they were sticking people to give them AIDS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a big AIDS, like, phobia story. I that didn't was know if that out. was ever true Ex- or not. No, and it's not, and it, uh-huh. but it's the exact same story. So these, just like the night doctors, turning into the needlemen, and then years later they've turned into sticking people to give them AIDS. It's the same story, and it just rotates through various generations. You know, that's the that's like the the perfect urban legend right right there is that it just keeps going Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what happened with this you know it metamorphs from you know early 1900s with people getting stuck you know to be experimented on to the 1930s when young women were getting stuck because well you shouldn't be going out to the movies at night and you should be getting home early and you know you might get stuck by one of the needlemen and then you're going to be kidnapped and turned into you know a prostitute and you know or as they called it a fate worse than death Mm -hmm. in the newspapers at the time but it's it's pretty much the same story okay because that was my my last question was that was this just a story made up to make women behave yeah essentially yeah yeah okay well yeah that that tracks then uh moving on to the next terrible thing so the gown man well okay not terrible thing but if it very tall and thin, the gown man is weird. It, yeah, no. very very tall and thin, wearing a black cap and black gown, drove a long black automobile, but would uh, also drop from trees, scaring victims. There's a lot of tree dropping. I know, right? With these with these things. Yeah, I I this is a weird story, and it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't seem to. It makes you think there was someone who played a joke on somebody mm-hmm. like this, and it became a thing. Yeah. Um, because I mean, he cruises around in a black car and he's wearing these black robes and it's like, I don't even want to think about that. No, I don't I, either. I really don't. It's, um, he's these goth kids like yeah, that. Buy a hearse I, I don't and... know. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's such a weird story. And you know, it's, um, you know, every once in a while, do you remember? Well, it's pretty much the same story a few, couple of years ago when it came out. The clowns? And people started reporting clowns, yeah. you know, and there, and it, you know, they were not anything supernatural or anything. It was just some, you know, just playing some pranks. Jack Watt putting on a yeah. clown costume, which I thought was awesome. Oh, and yeah. I wished I'd have thought of it. Was it was great you know? promotion. And yeah. it was, yeah. And this this seems like, I mean, it's, it wasn't promoting anything, but it almost seems like somebody just having a good time. Yeah. Kind of like the next one, you know, the Hug and Molly. This one, so. Hug and Molly is a little bit sad. It's just though. a sad story. So, yeah. So, wearing know. a white robe uh, would hide in bushes, jump which out. Which is a bad choice. Of outfits, yeah, the yes. white robe, and would scoop up women in the in a, south in a tight embrace. Uh, yes, uh, hug them and then vanish. And it, my first thought was like, this is just somebody who wants connection with people, can't get it. That's not the right way to get it, but can't get it. Right. And it said you had a story. And, and then just, when you get to the end of the story and you find out where the hugging Molly came from, it was sad. sad. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned also, like you just alluded to it too. You said the clan had started out as former slave owners who dressed up as ghosts and right. preyed on free African Americans. Yeah, during I mean, that was initially was that, that was a real the, thing. Yes, that was the beginning of the clan. In the in the early 1870s, was 
Um, they wanted to intimidate the black population who at this point had zero education. Yeah. They had been working on plantations and now we're free. Many of them had nowhere to go. Um, jobs were, I mean, nobody wanted to hire them. So, but they didn't have any money to go anywhere else. And yet now they had been given the incentive by the government to get out and vote. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had been, you know, they're officially citizens now. They're not no longer a three-fifths of a person. And they wanted them to get out and vote. That was the whole idea of Reconstruction was trying to, you know, build people up to get out and do things on their own. And uh, you had, you know, uh, racists and former plantation owners and Nathan Bedford Forrest and these right. former Confederate officers who got together and put put together the Klan where they dressed up as ghosts and kept tried to keep the former slaves from voting, uh, from getting jobs, and really just to scare them as much as possible. And, you know, in a lot of ways it worked because, again, these were people who'd never in their whole life been given any kind of education other than what they'd heard. And what they had heard is a steady diet of ghost stories and, you know, things their whole life. Yeah. And so this was terrifying. But, you know, it eventually it died out. But then, of course, it came back big in the 1920s and even in the 2020s yeah and now it's never gone away Mm -hmm. unfortunately uh but it did come back in the in the 20s during prohibition but um at the time this was not anybody who was talking about seeing somebody running around in white robes this hadn't been that long since there'd been a clan so um that scared a lot of people yeah i'd run and that's where the panic got started but then you know as we find out yeah, it was just a, a sad, sad yeah. man who wanted a hug, but yeah. that's not how you get it. Moving on to the next one, uh, the Domino Man. So this initially made me want pizza, but I was like, this to be fair, <laughs> wrong. So does yeah, every- wrong kind of Domino. So does everything. Yeah. Uh, so 1930 begin began haunting the Jaunty neighborhood. Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Jaunty. Jaunty. Yeah, Jaunty. Jaunty. Okay. Yeah. In those days, uh, the middle class neighborhood around the lake. Pontchartrain. Pontchartrain. Okay. And Bayou, St. John, was sparsely populated, had a lot of woods, empty lots. Children used to use these paths to get to school. Then they claimed a man in a white robe and hood would jump down from the tree branches and chase them with his hands waving wildly over his head. He never physically hurt them, and he was never caught. This reminds me of, like, the wacky, waving, inflatable tube man Yeah, thing right, from, exactly. From I mean, I don't know what the purpose here was other than this I, guy just I would, fun. I would love to prank the fuck just out wanted, of some Well, kids. and that's what this seems like. And, you know, he looked like, a costume looked like it had been made out of sugar bags. Yeah, that's right, That's why they right. call him the Domino Man. Right. Because the refinery, like, uh, the Jaunty neighborhood is here, and Lower Ninth Ward is right next to it. Okay. And that's right on the other side of that is where the Domino Sugar refinery was. And a lot of people from this neighborhood worked there. So when they saw this guy in this costume, and I'd say there's a good chance that's where the costume came from, uh-huh. uh, it, you know, cotton and, and or not cotton, sugar, sugar and and flour and things used to come in a in a canvas bag. You've probably seen I've maybe seen in antique stores yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff, you know, the big the big cotton bag. So this guy had this costume and he just would scare the hell out of kids <laughs> who were walking through the woods on their way to school. And you know, nobody ever found him, nobody ever caught him. You know, they claim they shot at him. So this right. that's when your prank serious. that's when your prank gets a little too serious. Yes. I think when someone starts shooting at you. Oh, I can imagine you're gonna see me in like two weeks, just drunk, <laughs> de- dressed in Domino's pizza boxes, chasing <laughs> yeah. little kids. Yeah, until in like I get a shot. robot robot outfit. Yes. Made, you know, exactly. made out of Domino. Boxes. Yeah, Domino pizza tron. Let me know, know how that goes. <laughs> no, so, if I yeah, get shot, we'll know. Yeah. Um. All right, moving on. Let's go to a even more a serious story. story. So Chateau Lemoyne Hotel. Is that yes. how you pronounce it? Yeah. 
1998. This is a rather grim episode. I don't know if you've noticed that. Well, that, that, I mean, the first one wasn't, was, had a little bit of fun to it. It wasn't. And then as, it just stops being fun. It wasn't as bad in my head when because we, we were talking about it beforehand, and I was like, I don't think all these stories are that bad. And I was trying to work my way through them, and I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, okay. They're pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. I think the most tame one is just scaring little kids or maybe a hug. But now let's get even more serious. So. 1998, a maid finds a naked man, aside from his socks, dead on the floor of a hotel room, and there's just blood everywhere, sex toys everywhere. Eventually, it's ruled that he's been stabbed to death. His name was Ramon Martinez, and he was a Catholic priest. Yeah. He, uh, Which was, is problematic. Problematic yeah. for, for you reasons, yeah. And he's initially yeah. he's initially an actor who actually landed some roles in things, uh, some shows I'd yeah, heard of. Yeah, it made me, yeah, no, I know it, and it kind of made me... See if I could figure out what episodes he was. I, I thought about I, I want to see what it. he looks like. I thought about googling you know? it, but and, I just didn't. But I just I don't know if I want to subject myself to Three's Company in different strokes. To and be honest with you, so I, just I thought to find Three's Company guy. was fun. So, um, it's all right. Yeah, it is, it is what it is. Certainly so, not a show you could make now. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, but at some point on what I'm, I'm guessing March 23rd, since they found him on the 24th. So um, March 23rd, I'm guessing he picks up uh, Robert. Chidester, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. who claimed uh, who claims it was self defense when we when we get to it later, which <laughs> is a little excessive. Yeah. Um. And police. Okay. So police find a bunch of porn in the rectory, which I'm like, come on, that's an issue too. Yes, that in is, my and, opinion. And that is um, yeah, and that is an issue. Um. And we could go into three hundred. Three hundred okay. pornographic. Well, remember, it, nothing was else the, to it was the late '80s, and everything was available. There was no online porn back right. then. So, right. if you wanted porn, you had to buy magazines or yeah, or videotape VHS tapes. And this guy had a hell of a collection, yeah. I guess, for the time, right? And for the subject matter, because yes. honestly, be, let me let me give you a little, just to give you a little bit of you know, into the catalog, or what are we no, doing? No, no, I, oh, okay. I want to give you a little. Uh, an idea of how much money he had invested in this back in 1989 you couldn't just go out and buy a movie for 20 bucks um when you bought a videotape now because let's be honest the porn industry really caused the creation of the home video i mean i could give you an entire history of uh, it what but what's the criterion disc versus whatever yeah i mean they're push one media well they 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 are the ones who pushed us into to videotapes right, because right. The, the movie studios, the big studios, you know, 20th Century Fox, Warner Brothers, they didn't want videotapes. In fact, mm-hmm. they did everything they could to fight it because they wanted people to have to go to the theater. They didn't want stuff to be available to be watched at home. But I mean, no one wants to go sit in a grungy, sticky movie theater to watch had porn. To so they wanted it at home. So they, between the, 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 the porn industry and the mob who had the biggest investment in it, they're the ones who really got started with home video. So yeah. we, we, every time you watch a movie at home, if you own a, well, nobody owns a VHS player anymore, very many people, but if you watch, say you watch a movie on DVD and some of you still own DVD players, I still have one. I just don't watch it yeah. much, but same, um, you know, it's um, you owe, you owe that to the porn industry and the mob. Uh, honestly, because they're the ones who pushed for it. So anyway, my point is, Mm -hmm. is that in the late eighties, you could not just go out and buy stuff for 20 bucks. You had to wait months and months and months before you might get some stuff at an affordable price. Usually you just had to rent videotapes because to buy a single videotape in the eighties 
they were like eighty ninety dollars. Mm. So let's say um, let's say you wanted ET. Let's we won't do any porn stuff. We'll go with ET. You wanted <laughs> a copy e. of ET on videotape, and if you wanted to buy that, it might cost you eighty or ninety dollars. But you that's why they would have a. That's why the video industry was so big mm-hmm. because they would buy you know fifty tapes at ninety bucks a pop so that people could that was the that was the suggested retail price so this guy with three hundred okay three hundred pornographic films I mean this dude has got I mean this is like, a lot of money this is like ten or twelve grand yeah worth of, of pornos in his rectory in mm-hmm. his Catholic church rectory. Not to mention all the magazines and books. I just don't like the kink shame. I mean, so we're talking shame. about thousands. I know, but we're talking. No, I'm not either. All I I'm know, saying is this dude, it's a serious this dude had thousands of dollars invested right. in his collection. Right. And so he would, you know, then drive into the city where he could, you know, meet somebody that he could uh, act out the movies he was right. watching, yeah. I guess. But, um, you know, the, the 80s, the French Quarter in the 80s was a whole different place than it oh, is I now, bet. let me tell you. I bet. Um, it was definitely a different place than it is now. So just putting that out there. I get it. Yeah. No, he had a lot invested in this. We owe a lot to the porn industry. So whenever you click on those online videos, let the pre-roll ad roll all the way out. <laughs> Give them your two cents before you move on. Um, so it might, I think the whole reason I brought that up was that I was thinking of that. What was that latest? I just cl- gave everybody a history of the oh, I love VHS it. tape history that no one wanted. No, no, no. We, we all wanted it. I'm sorry. Um, so. no, por- just trying to make a point. Of course. A lot of well, dough. What was the latest uh, Clint Eastwood movie that Richard, um, uh, the guy with the bomb? That, oh, yeah. Um, um, I can't remember. Uh, Richard Jewell. Yeah, Richard Jewell, yeah. because they found a bunch of porn in his room in his mom's house, and they tried to like use that against them. And it's like, the guy lives in his mom's yeah. house. Yeah, he like, lives in his mom's like, basement. That, of that course should, he watches porn. Like, that should be irrelevant to, like, that. And that's just kind of what I wanted to it's point. It's a standard. Yeah, that's what I wanted to point out here. Okay, but this guy had other issues. I, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know. I just, I, I'm not even talking about the priest. I'm talking about the guy he picked up. This was a oh, scumbag. Like that he's a murderer? No, yeah. These are <laughs> yes. the people that I point out to you when the first time you and I went to New Orleans. And uh-huh. I pointed out to you and I said, they look like they're begging, but they're not. Uh-huh. You need to stay away from those people. Do you remember <laughs> I that? I do. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. This is is one of those guys. Okay, good okay. to know. Good yeah. to know. I was going to pick that guy up too. I'm really glad that. Oh, no. Well, I didn't mean that. I'm I just kidding. meant don't even give him money. Right. So. No, I get it. Yeah. So, okay, this guy, um, Richard Chidester. So he he does this terrible thing, kills this guy, and he immediately flees. Stabs him 40 times. 40 fucking in times. In self-defense. And of course, you know, yeah. he's got to really make sure. Uh, flees to Cincinnati right after the murder. He did a really good job blending in, is that what you said? Or did he eventually <laughs> yeah, cross right. into Kentucky and stab someone else? else? But he gets away with it yeah. because most likely it was another male-in-male Some encounter. Some guy he picked up. Didn't want to yeah. Yeah, yeah. be caught. Um, eventually gets confident enough goes back to new orleans uh hooks up with a tarot card reader whom he tells hey you know i killed a priest and now should, shouldn't she have known that ahead of she time? should have known that <laughs> and i'm surprised she didn't play into that i was gonna put that in there i could figure out how to work that in right. but yeah right. hey at least she turned him in at least she turns so yeah immediately no. turns him in um in his confession this is metal he said he claimed to be the angel of death uh sent to punish right. the wicked priest right um, okay, you mentioned also most of the sex stuff was like kept out of the papers. It was. So how did you, well, where, it, where it, did it come it, out? Later it came out. Okay. At, at the time, okay. they were kind of keeping that kind of quiet. Just because of the church it and was, stuff? Well, and you also, the other thing is go back and look at what the murder rate was in New Orleans in the mm-hmm. late 80s. It was 
Uh, I believe this was at the time in the late 80s that this was the number one murder capital in the United States. Damn. Was New Orleans. Um, New Orleans was a much different place in the 80s than it is now. I mean, that I can remember going down there then and you, you know, you didn't leave your hotel. You kept your wallet in your front pocket because mm-hmm. you didn't take any side streets. If it wasn't well lit, you didn't leave bourbon. I mean, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a different place. And they were. You know, suddenly now they've got all these murders they're dealing with anyway, and now we've got a priest involved, and you know it's a it's a very Catholic town, and mm-hmm. you know, and they just didn't want that splashed everywhere. And as it worked out, they got him to confess, and that kind of kept things quiet. And that means he's probably oh, out God, on the streets 25 now. Twenty five years, which means he probably served what maybe. Maybe fifteen, if that. Lawyer, how many? Yeah, we'll ask Kaylin. She's here. She's our uh, resident attorney. counsel. He probably served what, like fifteen, probably. Yeah, depending if he's gonna behave himself. He seems a little unhinged. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe yeah. he got he's killed in prison. Well, I don't know. I I couldn't yeah. find any record of him. I don't know what happened to him. So, mm. yeah. About that. So cool. Yeah. So theoretically, he got out. Like maybe we saw him ten or fifteen years ago. So. He's either floating around there somewhere or he's got to be dead by now. Probably listening to this episode. Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) Well, don't, don't call, don't email us. Let me give you Cody's address. Oh, boy. Just kidding. Troy doesn't even know my address. (laughs) Actually, he might. I don't know. Actually, I do. Damn it. Okay. On the last story. uh, So, this is Dr. Etienne Deschamps. And I only know Etienne because that was my French name in French class. Really? And it translates to Steven, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, Which I didn't know at the time when I picked it. As we've already discussed and as people have criticized this i don't know shit about french i took three I'm years sorry of it, no, no, no. i did not take it at all uh if it was all spanish i'd be fine but, yeah we uh, try. i don't know much about french but i've done my best and uh, listen i spent a lot of time uh you do phonetically spell things out well, for me i do and then i also spent a lot of time on like pronunciation websites mm-hmm. many of which are wrong yeah i know so and how and do you then know? i find out that they're really wrong and i'm like okay that is i know that's not right yeah so you got to keep searching so i do the best i can i don't speak french but i do the i i do i actually do for those of you who have written in shitty reviews about how you know we've butchered french mm-hmm. i apologize for that before we even started the season that is true so um you know i'm sorry again i'm sorry but i've done the best that i can yep and i do research it as far as i can that's so, why i wake up every yes. morning just saying hey i'm just gonna apologize in advance and i just that's a blanket <laughs> yeah, statement that's, that's just my just, life yeah, story right. right there i apologize in advance uh, age two so let's so. let's talk about uh dr etienne and his uh magnetism oh, man. so and one of the other ones this was a, a bogus science i wasn't even aware of I, I i knew a little bit about it because i knew about like mesmerism which is kind uh-huh. of a next step over um but this was <laughs> this was definitely interesting. But as I pointed out, though, that, you know, when you consider crystals, oils, magnetic bracelets, all these things, it's really not that much, different, not that than, much different than magnetism, believing that it can cure everything. And, um, you know, it reminds me when we were at the Mineral Springs in Alton and I'm talking about, you know, all the things they claim that the water would cure in those days before, you know, the FDA set limits on what you could claim. Right. Uh, or, you know, that your silver oxide stuff cures uh, the coronavirus. Or yeah. my favorite is that my church has ionization. So it just wipes out the virus. When oh, you, and yeah. it's like, oh, my God. 
How no, you're fine. on television saying this? They can't even pronounce ionization right. for one thing. But okay, what? Whoop, whoop, whoop. No, wrong yep, podcast. You're right. You're right. Sorry, like wrong you, podcast. Like you said, let Darwin take care of it. But yes. uh, boasted about how um, magnetism could treat any ailment from alcoholism to erectile dysfunction and even provide psychic powers. So I'm just saying, back in the day, you would have had my attention, right? Yeah, well. That would have been like, all right, <laughs> let, let's talk. So he's convinced he could use these powers to also locate Jean Lafitte's lost treasure, if yeah. you remember from our earlier. That up because John Lafitte has has been in several episodes yes. of this season. I, so. It's probably one of my favorite people from this whole season that know, I've learned right? about. Right. Um, favorite people is loose term, but so he. The At co- least he was honest about what he was doing. That's that's, that's a it's, plus it's very, right there. It's very. Uh, I'm a pirate, and I'm not telling you otherwise. Well, it's so. very Jack Sparrow, where he says like a dishonest man, you can always trust to like be dishonest. That's you right. know, it's the that's honest right. ones you got to watch out for, mm-hmm. and that's very true. Um, he, so he's convinced he can find. Uh, this lost treasure but here's the thing here's the kicker troy he needed he needed a medium specifically a 12 year old virgin which one of his clients just happened Happened to to have have. a daughter yeah so uh, but he also yet again another kicker needs to douse the daughter with or dose her i guess with um large amounts of chloroform and climb into bed with her and both of them have to be naked right so this guy makes my fucking skin crawl more so yeah. than the guy who stabs somebody else 40 times. I know, right? Finally, he does this shit for a while. Finally ends up killing her uh, when he realizes he's, because he's, he, oh, I guess she overdosed. He's get poisoned. I mean, Yeah, well, I mean, chloroform, I mean, it's like any other drug. I mean, essentially, it's it's like when you go to the hospital for a surgery and they inject you with uh, anesthesia or something to put you out. It's an anesthetic, mm-hmm. um, but it was fairly new at the time. Uh, but it's um, it's still, it's like ether. Mm-hmm. Ether came first, chloroform, I believe, was second. But anytime you ever hear about back in the, you know, the teens and 20s and 30s, you know, all the gangster stories, they would chloroform people. They yeah, put yeah. it on a rag and put it over your face right. and then throw you in the trunk of a car and then you take, you go on a one-way ride. Yeah. Um, but this was essentially him using a cloth over her face. And, and I didn't include this into the story, but when they found her body, um, she had been burned across her mouth and nose because oh, of the you know, the chemical reaction to it uh, when he killed her. But I thought that that wasn't, it was enough. The story's yeah, yeah. enough, that you is, know, with everything that went wrong here. That's so, enough. So yeah. he finally, like I said, finally ends up killing her. When he realizes he's killed her, he decides to do the noble thing and tries to stab himself in the chest four yeah, times. Half-heartedly, I Half, think. Half-heartedly, so, yeah. Um, you so, know, to speak. It, ha- so to speak. It's a pandemic. So. God damn it, pandemic. I love it, though. Um, but um, you know what? I'm kind of glad he didn't die then. Um, Because then he survives long enough to go to trial, um, and he's found guilty in 18 minutes of deliberation, and he appeals, gets a new trial, and this time it only took 13 minutes. And before he can be executed, this is one of the weird things, Judge Robert Marr, who presided over both trials, goes to vote, walks by the river... Yeah, disappeared. They just never found him. What do you think he skipped town? I think I he fell no, in. No you... one knows. I mean, that's the thing. They they tried. They thought maybe they should drag the river. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they never found him. He just and you know, I, I guess it became part of this story because he was so adamant. I mean, he was the judge in both of his trials. Like he was crazy. adamant that he's not crazy. And he was the one who pushed for him to be executed after murdering a 12-year-old girl. And so he was really an integral part of his criminal case. And then while he's waiting for his execution date, he just vanishes. The judge just vanishes. Yeah. And it became a big story at the time. And I thought that it was it was definitely worthwhile to mention. Right. Well, I'm glad that even though he disappeared, it didn't matter. Um, and Etienne still hangs. 
and then gets, would you say, tossed in a murderer's grave, killer's grave? Yeah, an, unmar- an unmarked grave. Got uh, it. But okay. what, the other interesting thing about this, and I didn't, you know, sometimes you have to leave things out because there's just no way to work them right sure. into the story. Um, when they took his body down after he had hanged, uh, they actually uh, cut open his skull to examine his brain oh. to see if it was deformed in some way that would explain why he was a murderer, but they couldn't find anything wrong with it. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, maybe they could today. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Or probably not, because that's about as legitimate of a science as taking photographs of a dead person's eyes oh. and thinking that the killer is going to show up on their on their eyelids in the photo. It's it's I not really. There's really no way to know. No, I was thinking you know, more... they did that. They do that with a lot. Of, they've done it with. At the time, pre, yeah. say, 1940, they used to cut out people's brains all the time. To see you know, like something Dill- different. They, they cut open Dillinger's brain and then kept cutting it open and then kept losing pieces of it. And eventually there were so many pieces of Dillinger's brain that were lost. They kept saying how many pieces they had. It was actually more than the brain that he had that was lost. Oh. Um, they also used to claim that, maybe I shouldn't add this. They used to claim that they had uh, the Smithsonian had Dillinger's penis mm-hmm. in a jar because it was so big. Uh-huh, he's packing. Uh, but that's not a true story. Uh-huh. That that got started because there's this one photograph that you see where they've got a body on display at the morgue. I mean, obviously it's not Dillinger because Dillinger got away anyway, but it's his double. Okay. It's Jimmy Lawrence there in the in Here the morgue go. and he's got his elbow turned and he's stiffened that way, and it looks like he's got like a tent oh, right. in a sheet that's like 18 inches high. And so this story got started that, you know, uh, about this, and it's not true. So if you ever hear that Dillinger's penis is in a jar mm-hmm. at the Smithsonian, it's really not. I mean, to rob... Neither is Jimmy Lawrence's either, but still. So, I don't know, to rob um, a bunch of banks, you got at least that big balls, right? That's right, that's right, especially the way he did it. I'm so, just saying. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't even remember how, how did we, I how get, how get on to that. Oh, his brain. I, I told you about oh, the, the brain. brain. Oh, I was thinking... They cut open the doctor's Well, no, I was thinking the, his brain. the guy, I can't remember his name, but who... I believe it was on a campus or something and went up and, and shot a bunch of people and uh, wrote Charles him. Whitman. Yeah. And was yeah. like, he's like, something's wrong with my brain. Check it out. And there was right. like a tumor or something. Right. Was, and, and that does happen. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. Not like it's misshapen or. Well, whatever. he was, I mean, this, this guy from our story was, I mean, he'd been a con artist most of his life. I think Charles Whitman is one of those. That's why he was so scary is because he just, was this all-American guy, had been a Marine, and, so, and he just snapped one day and yeah. went up onto a tower, started shooting people, not because he was just this evil person, but obviously something had happened. And right. Like you said, turns out he had a, had a brain tumor. But, um, you know, since that time, you know, he, he set the trend for more of this. Not that the, there have been plenty of, and that's the thing. You know, we talk about these shootings and school shootings. Listen, this all you got to do is study history. This stuff's been going on forever. Yeah. And there were big shootings in the early 1900s. I mean, there's that guy. I wrote about that guy in Suffer the Children that blew up that school with all those kids in it because he didn't want to pay his property taxes. Guy's a nutcase. <laughs> right. You know, and that was in the early 1900s. I mean, so this stuff's been around. People have been deranged forever. You know, um, it's just... 24-hour news cycle, we see a lot more of it. You That's know. true. And, but he was a shocking dude in the 1960s. It sure. was not something that people had seen. Although, what, three years after JFK? So, I don't know. This country's a mess. This the whole world's a mess. The whole world's so, a mess. Yeah. And on that note, it is now time for our Ghostwriter <laughs> oh, segment. Yeah. If you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre, you can email us at AmericanHauntingsPodcast at gmail.com. 
Our first email comes to us from Veronica, and she says, I just started listening to your podcast. Elvis Costello song. Sure. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> sure, no, you're fine. Um, that's, that's right. I was going to um, sing it, but... I- Please don't. Um, I just started listening to your podcast in this quarantine life. I searched for numerous podcasts involving hauntings and stumbled upon this one. I love the history lesson that go uh, and the hauntings that go with it. So keep up the good work. Thank you very much for that, Veronica. And this last one is from Bindi. Um, it's really long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But basically, says I just found your podcast. Uh, I was so excited. Basically says you suck. You, you suck. No, no, no. She says I'm so excited to find something professional and good about our oh, area. Okay, well, professional. I well, let's you know. not get carried away. Uh, I live. In- I appreciate you saying that, but let's not get carried away. Yeah, she's flattering us. I live in St. Charles, a transplant from Michigan. My parents were both born and raised in St. Louis. Originally, before moving here, regular visits for family functions always made me curious about the histories and many of the historical sites in the area, especially the paranormal histories. Um, keeps going on to say her first job was working for Augie Bush back in 1978. Oh, no um, wow, yeah, cool. and uh, just uh, she basically offers, if we ever need anything, any help with anything, she's Always oh, there to help awesome. us out. And so I just want to say thank you um, and just really appreciate that. That's all I got, man. Cool. All I'm, right. I'm done. No, that's that's good. I think we're good. All right, bye. Yep, I, that's it. <laughs> no right, more signing off? No, I'm just kidding. So, well, anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for uh, sticking with us uh, from the before times to the now times. Damn it. Um, and um, no, really, seriously, this, it, um, it's been fun for us to come up with new ways to, to how we were going to figure out how we're going to do this podcast when we were completely isolated. Yeah. So um, now we're not as isolated. So it's been it's been good for us and uh, hopefully it would be good for you guys too. just stay safe out there. I keep telling everybody, I know that things are starting to open up. They're getting better, but don't just don't be stupid. You know, wash your hands, social distance, wear the Freaking mask. I got one in I my know pocket. It sucks. Just fucking I know it. it sucks, but when you go to the grocery store, I mean, let's be honest, you go to Walmart, I want to wear a hazmat suit, and that was in the before times, uh, yeah, let alone now. Times. So why not a mask? So anyway, um, guys, just be careful out there. We don't want to, we don't want to, we definitely don't want to lose any of our listeners because yeah. we don't, <laughs> we know, can't afford yeah, it. We cannot afford to lose anyone. So uh, we need you. So uh, share it with your friends, review us on iTunes, or, you know, send us an email whatever you want to do um we hopefully we will see you as things start to open up this later this summer and into the fall and um you know hopefully next year will be a whole different year and we will not be sitting around doing a podcast uh when we're supposed to be doing the conference instead so anyway thanks again guys and uh take care so long and see you later no i really think that since it's the aftertimes we need to change things. And oh, we need to just well, not. Well, I think we'll just end right there. So we just end right there. And we end with this episode of the American Honey's podcast, was written by Troy Taylor and it's produced and edited so by me, Cody Beck. And each bi weekly episode, this is always going to happen, we try to combine history, folklore, legend, imagination, and the truth to reveal more about America's most haunted places, strange tales, and unexplained events. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows, and at AmericanHauntingsPodcast.com, where we place. have show notes, more info about the episodes, and links to more from American Hauntings. Because American Hauntings isn't just a podcast. Are you planning on updating? It's books, tours, okay, events, hang on. and just more hang on. in our Are main... you going to change the website when we were talking about in-between seasons? What? Have you... Did you... You talked about, well, we just updated the website. Were you going to change it again between seasons? I don't think you should. I like it how it is now. Was I going to do that? Well, you, I don't know, but we just updated it not very long ago. Yeah, well, I wanted and to change so other things. Yeah, but we're not going to change the way that we did the episodes, right? No, no. Okay, good. No, I'll keep doing but, that. Well, we were just talking before, and I just 
reminded me. No, this is a good time to do this instead of before or after. And if you want even more from us, you can be a supporter of this pa- uh, the podcast, damn it, on Patreon. You can get bonus episodes of the show, t-shirts, discounts, great stuff in the mail, and more. Thanks to our supporters. We have upgraded our equipment. Maybe because I did American Hauntings isn't show. just a podcast. It's books, tours, events, and our main website is at AmericanHauntings.net. Yeah, well, no, wait. I said, well, I, yeah, I don't think you did I, that. I think you skipped. I was interrupted mid-sentence. Oh, AmericanHauntings.net. Anyway, um, we can with more help from you, we can dedicate more time, resources, creating more shows in the future, more jokes and shit. Take a minute and check it out. We think you like what you find at Patreon.com/slash/AmericanHauntings. Be sure to get in touch if you have any comments about the show. I had comments and you complained. Suggestions, reviews. You have to use the same form that everybody else <laughs> everybody uses. Else does. Email me. I need to email you. And any I'll get to it in a month. I'll get to it in a month. <laughs> uh, if you just want to tell us what you really think of us, we're reachable via email on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook by Carrier Pigeon and a Candygram. Candygram. Yep. That's Telegram. a nice one. Plumber. <laughs> Land shark. Until next time, goodbye. So long. See you later. See you later. Ugh. I'm off of desperately trying to come up with something that I can interrupt you with. I think now I've just found it.